Welcome to the Leadership Update Brief. Today's entrepreneurs and business leaders face change and transition as a constant part of daily life. Inspired by stories of today's military veterans and service members, we embark on a journey to explore their transformations and equip ourselves with new ideas and motivation towards mastering the challenge of working with dynamic and changing environments. Here's the host of the Leadership Update Brief and the guide to your journey, Ed Brixie. Hello, and welcome to the Leadership Update Brief on C-Suite Radio. I'm Ed Brixey, and today we're discussing the many shapes and sizes of entrepreneurship. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Entrepreneurship can be one of the single most impactful ideas in business today. Entrepreneurial thinking, entrepreneurship, innovation are all pervasive ideas throughout any industry. But what's at the root of all this? Many entrepreneurs that I've spoken to call themselves creative. They know that they're creating something and building a community, a product, a service, a business. They have the singular vision of what they want to bring into the world. For many, this is malleable. They're able to change and adapt it in an adopt new ideas as they grow and learn more. For some, it's a straightforward, single-minded, this is something I want to bring to the table. But for everyone, it's a problem that they're passionate about solving. Entrepreneurship naturally makes lives better because it brings new ideas into the fold. Some stick, smartphones, social media recently, others fade, pet rocks, Betamax, but all leave an impact. Even if it's merely a bad example of something whose time hasn't yet come. We're looking at you, Apple Newton. The thing is, the ideas behind entrepreneurship have become lost. I blame the show Shark Tank, which has reduced entrepreneurship to a pitch. I know for a fact, though, that Damon John is not investing in just a pitch. It's like anything else in business. The idea of it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's not who knows you. It's something much deeper and much more profound. The idea in business is it's about who trusts you to accomplish what you say you're going to do. This is the net effect of business and entrepreneurship in general. It's why we make investment decisions. It's why we make hiring decisions. And it's why we do business with people who we do business with. This is the key. No matter what you do, it's up to you to figure out what is this that I'm bringing in and how do I create this network of people around me? Because these ideas for many entrepreneurs, they don't have to be game-changing. It can be whatever they want. And in, among our communities, the most impactful entrepreneurs often have some of the most mundane ideas. But they do one thing. They do these ideas better. They bring a little extra to the table and they bring some extra passion and energy into whatever project it is that they're enmeshing themselves in. So throughout all this, what do vets bring to the table? The very first lesson that's taught 
to every new service member, enlisted, officer, basic training, OCS, whatever it might be. Whatever, every initial entrant is taught the same thing. The lesson is this. Remove I can't from your vocabulary. Period. This simple lesson is the most important and is what primes vets to enter entrepreneurship. This lesson is what separates successful entrepreneurs from those who fall short. And it is this lesson that gets ingrained in every service member right from the get-go. Our interview today is with a hometown veteran entrepreneur, Nick Ford of Black Dog Merchant Solutions. I first met Nick a few years back at a Vet to CEO event, and he was an amazing participant, had a very solid business idea, and it's become a great little project for him. Nick's a former Army Ranger, former Metro Boston cop, now works at Raytheon, and has a surprising little side gig that helps support him and his family and bring an awesome, awesome impact into the veterans community here on the North Shore of Massachusetts. We'll be right back with the story. Welcome back to the Leadership Update Brief. This is Ed Brixey, and today I'm here with Nick Ford of Black Dog Merchant Solutions. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm well, thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me on. No, it's great to have you here. Uh, so you've got pretty eclectic history, Nick. Um, went from Army Ranger to Police Force. Now you're working for Raytheon. And we met when you started putting together this little side gig of yours, which is Black Dog. So what's that been like, That that just that journey right there? Um, very unique. I mean, just the, the military in and of itself was... Uh, a unique experience, especially enlisting when I did, I went in at age 17 and, um, you know, by age 22, I'd already been overseas three times. And as you mentioned, I was with third range battalion. Um, I got out and did a couple of years in the national guard and, um, you know, my, my passion has always been law enforcement and technology. And it was always my hope to kind of merge the two. Um, the IT side of things came knocking first. So I, I did that for uh, four or five years. And I told myself I'd do IT and just dabble in it until uh, the police force came knocking. So um, I ended up having to take the civil service exam here in Massachusetts twice. Uh, the first time I scored a, a 98 on it. I didn't even get a call back. So that tells you how uh, competitive it, it was at least back then all, all the no, people absolutely. that wanted to be all the people that wanted to be cops uh, and I took it a second time and scored really well and then about two years after that I got the call to uh, to basically go to the police academy so I hung up the IT coat and went to the police academy where uh, it was a six month long academy I got out um, and then I served six years with the MBTA transit police here in Boston and um, decided to transition back into um, the field of IT. And thankfully, I was hired by Raytheon as a contractor initially. And then after four months of contracting, um, was hired on as a, as a permanent employee. Nice. So what's the persistent call going back to IT? What keeps you coming back over there, from, even from the police force? Yeah, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't so much of a persistent call from IT. Uh, it, it was more 
it was more so that the the police force and law enforcement in general uh, has changed, um, unfortunately, in a lot of ways for the for the worse. Um, you know, the, the the culture changed a lot. Um, the specific department I was working for started to change, and um, you know, values were sort of misaligned between um, myself and them. But the most important part. Mm-hmm. The, the most important reason why I left, I mean, let's face it, every every department changes, every company changes, society changes, it is what it is. Um, th- those were, weren't really the real reasons why I left. The actual reason why I left was because I started um, having kids. So obviously, me, not personally, but my wife and I <laughs> had, a, had, you know, a, a little baby girl. And um, so, so that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And um, you kind of look at the world a lot differently once you start having children. Um, and then, uh, you know, I had the, the second baby came along and the writing was kind of on the wall. You know, I was, I was always at work. I was always um, getting forced to work, working holidays and, and stuff like that. Um, so it was really it really boiled down to a quality of life issue where I was I was never home and uh, I didn't want to be a father you know, that was never home and have kids that grew up you know, without me being in the house. So that no, is why I, I left law enforcement uh, and went back into IT. And uh, and I don't regret a single day of serving as a police officer. I, I loved it and I cherish my time there. No, definitely. It's it's crazy how cultural cultures can shift or job environment shift. And it's also sometimes it's just that matter of perspective where something changes in your personal life and just, okay, where do we got to move on? Or you just start looking at something a little differently or something just hits you in a different way where maybe it changed, maybe it's you that changed and likely it's sometimes both. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly that it's both. And, you know, one thing that my dad taught me, you know, way back when I was a kid, that's always stuck with me is, is, you know, always follow your heart and always, always trust your instincts. And, um, and I've always done that. It's never seemed to, lead me in the wrong direction and uh you know leaving law enforcement as painful as it was um it's been thus far the best life decision i've ever made nice nice so we met when you were kicking off black dog and through the vet to ce program we had you in there as an enrollee doing a little bit of studying and entrepreneurship what's some sort of the story there um so yeah um while i was on the police force i i started on midnights as most cops do. And um, so I had a lot of downtime, I suppose, on that shift. And I started thinking about, you know, different things and ways I could make extra money. And um, I started thinking about ATM machines one night. And it, it really started with me thinking about you know, the inner workings of them, just being a technical person, I was thinking, you know, I wonder how the cash is dispensed. I wonder, you know, if that's connected to a computer network. I want, you know, I wonder this, I wonder that. So I started looking into it, um, into how ATM machines physically worked. And I started reading about ATM companies. Um, so it, it really piqued my interest because um, there was the allure of, of residual passive income. Which, which is a cool concept, you know, no matter which way you slice Absolutely. the pie. Um, so I, I, looked, I looked at that a little bit. It was kind of a pipe dream. And um, to be honest with you, I was, I was in the hospital for probably a week and a half when my first daughter was born. 
and you know while my while um my wife and and her recovered and such so i had a lot of downtime there and honestly I had a light bulb just went off in my head and um and i just kind of pulled the trigger on the whole black dog merchant solutions idea and right then and there in the hospital room i i registered um blackdogatm.com and uh i registered as an llc um and i started building the website right there in the hospital room nice nice yeah it's funny how sometimes when it finally clicks how easy some of these things come together yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. you know and I, I definitely um attribute a lot of you know the way i think about things and the way i approach problems to you know the military no certainly i mean rangers you guys were always out front there so that's um nothing but instantaneous problem solving yeah yeah instantaneous and just adapting mm-hmm. exactly so it's the adapting it was just the opportunity you saw out there and something that you wanted to find a way to get some of that extra residuals coming in every month has that been panning out pretty well for you how's that going it's going well um so obviously i, I started um you know with zero atm machines obviously i have eight now um, and you know, it went from, um, just managing one ATM machine with, I think I started with like 1500 bucks inside of the ATM machine to where now, I mean, monthly, the amount of cash going through my ATMs easily exceeds, you know, 60, $70,000 that are being cycled through the ATMs as vault cash. So, um, it, it's, it's definitely grown. It's definitely catching on. Um, but you know, I, I've said this since the beginning, it's, I, I work it as a part-time venture and I get part-time results and, and I'm okay mm-hmm. with that for right now. Um, but it does have the, the potential to explode simply because of our, of our unique business model. No, definitely. And you guys, what is that unique business proposal? I like, I like a lot what you guys have there. Yeah. So the, the way it works is when an ATM machine is deployed, you know, we have the, the surcharge fee that everybody doesn't like paying. It's usually between $2.50 to $3, sometimes even higher. Um, now, mo- in most cases, that surcharge fee goes directly back to the ATM owner, whether that's the bank, whether that's a private ATM company like, like my own. Um, so with our business model, since I'm a veteran, uh, when I was looking at the, the ATM market, it's pretty saturated. I mean, it's it's a pretty niche industry, but it's it is saturated with a bunch of different ATM companies, and nobody really knows the difference between uh, any of them. So, I mm-hmm. kind of approach it to where what can I bring to the table that will differentiate my business and myself from the others. And the first thing that came to my mind was my veteran status, and you know, my love for veterans. And I'm a VFW member myself. And and I said, well, you know, most VFWs and American legions and places of that nature have been historically cash only. And, you know, while some of them have ATMs inside of them, a lot of them don't. And I think a lot of that reason is due to, you know, there's just a lack of trust, you know, between the, the VFW command staff and that random person that comes walking through the door saying, Hey, let me install an ATM in here. Um, so my company is different in that I, I have a vested interest in these places. You know, I am a veteran, I am a veteran owned business and I am a a member of these establishments. So my business model is every time one of our ATMs is used, a portion of that surcharge fee, that $2 and 75 cents or $3, whatever it is, goes to a veteran charity 
And another chunk of that goes back to the VFW or whatever establishment my ATM is in. So instead of the surcharge being split one way, it's actually being split three ways. And um, I like to pitch the idea where it's a win-win-win. You know, my my company wins, the VFW wins, they're getting some residual income. And the most important part out of everything is, you know, veteran charities come in. You know, they're getting residual donations every month. And I encourage whatever business, VFW, you know, or company I put my ATMs in to to pick their own charity, as long as it's uh, veteran oriented or first responder oriented, they can actually get involved in the process and pick their own charity for their ATM to donate to. Nice. That's awesome. What are some of the charities that they've picked? Um, so one charity we work with is called Stop Soldier Suicide, um, which, which is obvious as to what they do. Um, mm-hmm. That is actually a charity that Ed Marsh works with out of the um, Ipswich, Ipswich VFW post. So there's um, there's that one. The very first charity that I established a relationship with was the Glenn Doherty Memorial Fund. And Glenn Doherty, if, if you don't know, was a Navy SEAL that was killed in Benghazi. And mm-hmm. he was actually born and raised in Winchester, Massachusetts. And that's where my first ATM was in the Winchester VFW. So it was kind of cool that, um, you know, my ATM right, so cool is time. my ATM is in, in this guy's hometown and their VFW picked his charity to donate to. Mm-hmm. um so that's, yeah so that's it, awesome. it, that's it's a nice turn of events right there yeah. it's a good way of supporting and keep the memory alive it is. oh that's fantastic that is that's a solid niche that's a solid you, that's a good true value like you said it's a win-win-win for everybody involved and it really it's shown it's it's the entrepreneurship of all kinds it's not you're starting a business and you're gonna create the next facebook and you're gonna you're going after all this angel and VC money. Sometimes entrepreneurship is just that. It's that little side gig that keeps you busy and throws in that extra residuals because like you said, it's about the family. I mean, you start having kids and it's like, how are we going to get that extra little bit in to pay for college and put all those things together? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, it's residuals and it's, it's a challenge and it's, it's about, you know, not being afraid to try something and have it not work out. And, and I mean, you know, you started your own business and, (laughs) um, you know, you hear that from, from everybody. And I heard that more than once at the vet to CEO program in Ipswich that, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're afraid to fail, I mean, you better either get over it or find something else to go work for somebody, you know? No, certainly, certainly you got to have the, it's not even the tolerance. It's you got to have the knowledge on how to learn from your mistakes and mitigate them as much as possible. Yeah. What's some of the biggest challenges you face keeping this going right now and keeping it growing? I would say that the the single biggest challenge that I have right now is time management, and you know that's it's kind of a no brainer when <laughs> when when you ask anybody, any entrepreneur, any business leader that they're usually their biggest constraint is time because uh, it's no matter. No matter how much money you have, <laughs> there's only 24 hours left. Of, you know, it's in the day. You can't you can't buy time. Um, so that's that's Absolutely. my biggest. Get more time. Yeah, that if you I wish you could buy time, but you can't. But that, that's really my biggest thing is um is is balancing my full time employment with my full time education because I'm in a, a master's program right now full time, and you mm-hmm. know being a, a father and a husband and somehow having time for myself at the end of all of it. Um, that's been the biggest challenge. I, I've been, I've had tons of support from my family, especially my wife, you know, puts up with all of this and um, she's rooted me on since, since day one. Um, so that, that, 
definitely makes it a lot easier. No, that's awesome. You got to have the family support and I mean, throwing a master's degree on top of the mix. Uh, why, why not? I don't know how you're doing it. <laughs> my master's, I put my blinders on and it was just, nope, this is what I'm doing for the time. There's nothing else going on while I finish this process. Up. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that after I finish my master's and, um, you know, dare I say it, things slow down a little bit that maybe I'll, I'll start, um, you know, accelerating black dog and looking to really grow and putting feelers out there and, getting serious about marketing but um you know so far it's been great doing doing the part-time thing i'm i'm happy with the results and everybody that i've installed atms for or have told about the program have been um head over heels excited about it and i think that says something no that speaks volumes right there and sometimes that's all the results you need right right fulfilling exactly so no, thanks, Nick. I appreciate you coming on the show. This has been fantastic. Thanks for sharing your story. This is yeah, anytime, Ed. And thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's an honor. Hey, no problem. All Thank right, you. Bye. Take care. Entrepreneurship doesn't have to be a world-changing idea. It simply has to be something that someone is passionate about and willing to see through. In this, the smallest ventures can have the most significant effects. And for many entrepreneurs, it's not about changing the world. It's simply having a great impact on their lives, their families, their neighborhoods. It's the idea of building a career or a side piece for themselves that brings value into their communities in new ways. I had a great lunch the other day with the Hero Club, another excellent organization here within the C-Suite Network and had a chance to sit down with some fantastic entrepreneurs that have started some significant and highly impactful ventures. I had one question for several of them. What was one thing that kept you going and helped you build this practice that you've built? This threw a few of them for a loop, and after some thinking, I received a multitude of answers, all along similar lines. Persistence, determination, unwillingness to let go. Some of them even said just plain old stubbornness. In short, the will to succeed drove them to create something bigger, better, and more profound. It's this will to succeed that creates successful entrepreneurs, not a pitch. It's displaying this will, it's having this and acting on it that brings people around you to trust you to say that you're going to be the one to do what you say you're going to do because you see no other way. But it's not being so stubbornly adherent to it that you can't learn new lessons. It's being able to look at the world in slightly different ways, find a problem, propose a solution, and then running with it. It's about looking at the world in slightly different ways. It's being willing and able to bounce back from these mistakes, to learn from them, grow, continue to move forward, be stubborn about it. Nick and many other veteran entrepreneurs have this in spades because it was something that was ingrained in our previous professions. The never give up, never quit, learn, adapt, improvise, overcome attitude is everything in the military and in this area of business. And it's something everyone in the military is taught on the first day of basic training. It's something that's up to us to keep this mentality and find new ways to use it. We don't have to change the world. 
but entrepreneurs are f- everywhere are finding ways to improve their lives and their communities. And when you look at the aggregate incre- incremental impact of all this, it really does change the world. Thank you all for listening. I welcome your comments. You can find me on social media, both Twitter and Facebook at BlueCordMGMT or on LinkedIn, search for BlueCord Management. Don't forget, email your questions for our special mailbag episode and mail call at leadershipupdatebrief.com or reach out to us with the questions along social media. You can learn more about BlueCord Management at www.bluecordmgmt.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast service. And as always, we're available on C-Suite Radio at c-suitenetwork.com. Thanks again. I look forward to continuing our journey soon. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. As a loyal fan of the C-Suite Radio show, I've got an incredible offer for you. Listeners to this podcast get 50% off a C-Suite Network membership. The C-Suite Network will help you become the most strategic person in the room. You will have access to top-notch benefits and networking, all helping you get the most out of your position. Take advantage of this limited offer today. Learn more about the C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. Again, that's 50% off a C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.